series, and, and I would do this every day, every Sunday, as long as uh, Jesus lets me. I would do this series, what we've talked about, so I plan on uh, smuggling it in in every sermon as, as many ways as I possibly can, what we've done in this series. I just loved it so much. And the cool thing is, is to hear uh, the response that we've got from people. I think from this series, we've heard more response from our church. Uh, we've ever heard from a series before. There's people making some really deep and profound applications of some things. And even Tim over in Whitesburg at our Whitesburg campus, he's saying the same thing. That, that God has just done something here with the series. It's been a really neat thing. But today we are wrapping up this series. And my goal for today is to be as clear and as practical as possible. Uh, because I just want to answer the question, how do you do what we talked about in this series? How do you do it? I mean, how do you, how do you slow down so that you don't lose your soul. We talked about that. And maybe you're thinking, listen, I would love to slow down, but I can't slow down. I mean, when I hear you say slow down, does that mean that I'm supposed to quit my job and move into the woods and start a monastery? I don't know how to do that. Or, or, or when pain and difficulty comes into our lives, like we talked about last week, instead of walking away from God and getting bitter and angry and, and our faith just gets shipwrecked and, and we just walk away from all of it, how do we lean in, listen to what God wants to say and let go of our will so that we can be more aligned with God's will? How do we let God deal with our, our baggage? Remember we talked about that, the stuff underneath the surface, maybe from our family of origin or something that we did or something just under the surface in our lives. How do we do that? How do we replenish our soul is what we're going to talk about today. And um, so, so let me say this. Everybody should have gotten one of these when you walked in. All right? We want everybody to get one of these today. If you did not get one, raise your hand and somebody will come and bring you one if you want one. So guys, let's get some people to walk around and to pass those out. So we're going to get some people that are going to start walking around uh, there. And uh, they should be coming here. But here's what we're going to do. All right? So go ahead, guys. And let's start walking. There. We're going to read John 15, 1 through 11, all right? John 15, 1 through 11. Go ahead and put your hands down. We'll do, they're, they're, they didn't anticipate that many people, all right? I can tell. They were like, ah! And, they and so, uh, so John 15, 1 through 11 is what we're going to read. Go ahead and open that up in your Bible, all right? Go ahead and open it up in your Bible. John 15, 1 through 11. Turn it on in your phone. If you don't have it, don't sweat it. It's going to be on the screen. Now, uh, I want everybody to do something we, we don't usually do. I want us to stand as we're reading God's Word. I love this passage today. So go ahead and stand. Uh, hey, if you raised your hand, you didn't get one of these sheets, put your hand up in the air. They're walking around right now. They'll bring you one, all right? Look at that. Revival is starting. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. All right. John 15, keep that hand up. Uh, keep that hand up unless you didn't put the other end on. Just switch your arms. All right. John 15, 1 through 11. There we come. Here we go. John 15, 1 through 11. This is Jesus. He says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5 is, is huge. Let's all read verse 5 out loud together. Read it out loud with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's continue. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. 
for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is God's word. You can be seated. Go ahead and sit down. What's happening in John 15, 1 through 11, Jesus is describing what a relationship with Him looks like. And the image that Jesus uses for a relationship with Him is Jesus says that a relationship with Him looks like a vine and a branch. And so, so, so the branch is, is us. In that image, the branch is you and I. The vine is Jesus. And the branch gets all of its life, energy, its sustenance, Everything comes from the vine. And all the branch is doing, in Jesus' metaphor, all the branch is doing, it is just being there. It's not doing anything else but being connected to the vine. That word abide, it, 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 means, it means to remain. It means to live with. It means to stay connected to. And do you realize that the world that we live in is basically built so that we won't do exactly what Jesus is telling us to do here? I mean, think about this. You can't abide the way that Jesus is talking about if we are always on the move, always in a hurry, always trying to get things done. Hello? You, you can't abide the way that Jesus is talking about if you are always trying to prove a point, if you always have to be right, if you always have to be heard, if, if you always have to post things online and everybody needs to see and like and share those and it always needs to go viral. You can't abide the way that he's talking about. You, you can't remain connected to Jesus if the main thing that you're doing every single day is running around trying to keep everybody happy. You can't stay connected and abide in Jesus if every single day you're trying to live up to everybody's expectations. You can't abide the way that Jesus is talking about if you have secrets in your life. And so Jesus paints this picture of what it looks like to abide, to have a relationship with Him. And, and so, so it's this image of staying connected, remaining, living with, and being connected to him. And, and the world, like I said, is set up, it's built the way that we live our lives. It's set up so that we won't do this. Think about it. Does anybody else in the room feel like your schedule is too full? Anybody? Like you are running too fast. That, that you've made too many commitments. That you've got too many irons in the fire. Maybe you feel like, and it's just been revealed over the weeks of this series, you are losing something significant on the inside. A lot of times the church has adopted a worldly idea of success so that a successful church is a church where it's just more people coming and more people giving and everything from our vantage point seems to be up and to the right. Or a lot of times we have this view of church where, where the church, every church has to do everything for everybody. Instead of having a church where churches are actually just like people. God hasn't given every single one of us all spiritual gifts. He's given us a few, but none of us have all spiritual gifts, and churches are the same way. God's given the church the same mission, to make disciples. But each individual church, God gives different people and resources and ideas for how to accomplish that vision. So God hasn't called every church to do everything. Did you know that? 
God hadn't called every church to do every single thing. That's why we need all churches in a community to be about kingdom work. Hello? That's right. That's why every church, is, every church that preaches Jesus is essential to our community. God hadn't told us to do everything. But man, I bought into that for a long time. Man, I bought into that idea where, where I thought that everything with our church needed to be bigger, better, and faster. That's our, I thought everything with our church always needed to be up and to the right. And so, so I took a lot of things on, honestly, that people, people put on me, but God didn't tell me to do. And, and I felt a lot of pressure to try to maintain things that God wasn't calling me to maintain. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, God just really started to work, work in my life in this area. And the way that God started to work in, me, work in my life in this way is God let me hit a wall. And you can call it burnout, I call it burnout, whatever you want to, but it was just a, just a really dark time, just, just hitting a wall, it just seems like it came out of nowhere. And one of the things that God did in that time is God just really began to speak to me from the scriptures that I needed to expand my view and my idea of who the Holy Spirit was in my life and what he wanted to do in my life and what he can do in our church. And so, so just really pressing into the Spirit and leaning into and, and seeking the Holy Spirit in ways that, honestly, I had never done before. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit just really started to speak to me is He would say to me, Mark, you need to slow down. You need to start letting me fight some of those battles. Mark, you need to learn how to be still. Because I didn't know. Mark, you need to, and this was a big deal, you need to learn how to be with me instead of just doing things for me. And can I tell you that over the past six weeks in our church, I have had so many people come up to me and say, Mark, I feel the same way. I feel like I have already lost something significant. I feel like I have lost my soul. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I lost my soul somewhere along the way. What do we do? I want to answer that today. I want to try to answer that question. What do you and I do? How do we do this series? And here's the thing. The answer is not new. It's not a new answer. Now, it might be new to all of us, okay? It was, it was new to a lot of people in the 930, the, just, from, just from the reaction. This answer is not a new answer, all right? It might be new for us. It's actually, though, thousands of years old. Between the 3rd and the 5th centuries, Christians in Egypt and Palestine, think about this, in the 3rd and 5th centuries, guys, listen to this, Christians in the third and, between the 3rd and 5th centuries in Egypt and Palestine found that city and their way of life so fast and so distracting that they could not focus on God. So a movement of Christians between the 3rd and 5th centuries actually began to leave their cities and move into the deserts to learn how to wholly live for God. I mean, think about that. They said that in the 3rd and 5th century. What would they say today? Hello? Right? Come on. But, but they said, listen, we're too distracted. We can't focus on what matters. We, we lose sight of God really easy. And so they moved into the desert. Church history would call these people the desert fathers and mothers. And maybe one you've heard of, St. Benedict, uh, the Benedictine monks. Maybe you've heard of that group of, of Christians. Maybe you've heard of St. Benedict. He developed something in the desert called the rule of life. Because again, their goal 
was to do exactly what Jesus said. How can we stay connected to the vine? How can we live connected, abiding in Jesus? And so they developed what's called a rule of life. Now, here's the thing. Don't let that word rule scare you. Okay? Don't let the word rule freak you out. A lot of times we don't like the word rule, do we? Right? Some of you may be thinking, listen, no rules for me, man. No rules for me. All right? Now, now listen. Uh, when they use the word rule, they meant it in the original Greek meaning where it actually means trellis. Has anybody ever heard of or, or seen a trellis before? Raise your hand. If you're thinking, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I actually got a picture of one right here. A trellis is just a structure, a wooden structure that's, that's designed so that plants can grow through it and on it and actually grow up. Actually grow up through the trellis so that it can help the, the plant get the most sun, all of the nutrients that it needs. It's basically a support system for a, for a plant or a vine. And Jesus says, he is the vine, and we're the branch. And verse 5, we all read it, that apart from Jesus, what can we do? We can't do anything without Jesus. And so what that means is that there isn't a moment where you and I don't need Jesus, and the good news is there isn't a moment when Jesus isn't available. Amen? Right? There's not a moment of your life, man, where Jesus isn't available to you. So if you don't like the word rule, just use the word rhythm. Building a rhythm, a pattern for your life of abiding with, of being with Jesus. What you and I need is we need a support system for our souls. So how do we do it? Well, if you want to take notes on that sheet that I gave you, you can. I've given you some space there, but actually this is for you to use because I'm going to talk a bit, little bit at the end about how you can go and we're going to work on building our own individual rule or rhythm of life. But here's the way that a lot of us live. A lot of us live this way right here. I don't know what's at the center of your life. Maybe your kids are at the center of your life. Maybe your job, maybe your income, something, your friends, your popularity, whatever. Whatever's at the center of your life, our lives have a center. And then from that, all of our lives, we usually think about our lives in buckets or categories, don't we? Right? Buckets or categories. And so usually the buckets or the categories we have for our lives are God, relationships, work or school, and then rest, relaxation. Maybe this sounds like some of your buckets or categories. So God, here's the God bucket. And in the God bucket, you go to church go to church every once in a while. Did you know that the national average for people going to church, these are Christians. Did you know the national average for Christians today who go to church, it's once or two times a month? Did you know that? Now that just, that just says to me, maybe I should pause and not assume that you know this. Did you know, guys, that we do this every single week? Did you know this? We do this. Listen, we don't just do this when we think you're going to come. We're so crazy. We do this once a week, baby. All right? You should check it out. Every Sunday, we are here doing the same thing. It's crazy, y'all. You should be a part of it. But maybe you go to church if you don't have anything else that comes up. You serve if you're asked to. Or maybe you come on one of those days where I preach a sermon about it, make you feel real guilty, and you grab the card. All right. Right? Here's one. Pray for my family. So you pray but all of your prayers are for your family, it's for your kids, it's for your kids to get into school, pass tests, to be safe, it's for, for you to get a raise, it's for uh, something for your wife, your husband, it's for your family. And listen to me, look at me, there's nothing wrong with praying for your family. You better be praying for your family, hello? You better be praying for your family. But here's, what, here's where a lot of us go wrong. A lot of us, our prayers are limited to just our little world. We don't pray about anything beyond our little sphere 
of life. But maybe that's it. And then you read a devotional once or twice a week. When it comes to relationships, some of us, the main goal of our lives, some of you, the main goal of your life, just to keep your spouse happy. All right? Some of you, it's absolutely impossible. You can't do it. All right? Don't laugh. Don't laugh at that joke. You'll get in trouble. All right? Stay connected to people through social media. A lot of times today, that's how people maintain their relationships. Just Facebook. All my friends, Facebook friends, all right? Provide for my kids. That's why I work as hard as I do, do what I do. I am always going to make sure that I can give, all my, I can give my kids everything that they want. And then I try to hang out with some friends on the weekends. When it comes to work, I'm connected 24-7. Whether I need to be or not, I'm connected 24-7. My boss or somebody at work emails me or sends me a text message. Maybe they've never expected, maybe they've never said to me rather that they expect an instant response to that email or text message, but I am always connected. I will instantly respond. I will stop what I'm doing, walk away. I am connected to work 24-7 whether I need to be or not. Why? So that I can make as much money as possible and hopefully I can retire early. And then that leads to rest. That's exactly why we live for Friday or the weekend. Because we're so tired, we're running around all the time, we just can't stop, we're living for the week, Friday or the weekend. Sleep when we can. We plan to start exercising and someday we're going to take a vacation. Even though we've got all these vacation days built up at work that we're never going to use, we don't really use them. Why? Because we just can't stop. Now maybe that's your life. But let me ask you this. What would your life look like if at the center of your life was the love of God for you. Let me ask that again. Think about it. What would your life look like if at the center of it was the love of God for you? How would it change the way you think about your marriage? How would it change the way that you spend your free time? How would it change maybe what you look at online, your goals, your ambitions, and your dreams? What would your life look like if at the center of your life was the love of God for you? I think it would change everything, and that's exactly what a rule of life or a rhythm of life has in mind. It's this, it's this idea that we want to stay connected to Jesus. Jesus is inviting me to abide, so I want to build my entire life around trying to stay connected. So here's what we're going to do over the next couple of minutes. I'm going to give you an example of this, but I'm not saying this is exactly what we all need to do. And the reason for that is because God's made all of us differently. God might use some things in my life that he doesn't use in your life, right? So, so we're going to have to take some time and ask God, what, 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 how have you wired me? How have you made me? But let me give you an example of what this could look like. So the first thing that's going to happen is at the center of my life is God's love for me. I am abiding in Jesus. So now the God category, God doesn't get a category. Why doesn't God get a category? Here's why God didn't get a category. Because God doesn't get a category. God gets your whole life. God doesn't want a category or a bucket. God wants your whole life. Life. So how can that be maintained? Prayer. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. So here's some suggestions. We talked about this. A few minutes of silence at key points during the day, maybe. Silence. Just We talked about this in the second part of this series where I'm, I stop talking. I've got my phone. It's off. I, or maybe it's not even with me. And I'm stopping. I'm being still to meditate on who God is, to think about how God loves me. I, I'm reading some things in Scripture, and I'm applying it to my life. So silence at key points in the day, maybe at morning, maybe driving to work, maybe from work, maybe before I go to sleep. Then maybe something else that God would use in your life is to read and meditate on Scripture. And listen to me. Not so that we can check it off a spiritual to-do list and say, listen, I read my Bible today but so that God can speak to us underneath the surface of our lives. 
Let me show you what this looks like. Let me just tell you um, what this looks like. Just this, I'll just give you an example from this morning. This morning, I'm reading through Matthew and my, and my time with the Lord, uh, and my morning times with the Lord, uh, just really slowly, a sentence or a paragraph at a time. And this morning, I read Matthew 6, where Jesus says, don't worry about your life, whether you'll eat or drink or whatever uh, you'll wear. Look at the birds of the heavens. They, never, they don't worry. They don't sow and all this stuff. And then Jesus says this about the birds. He says, are you not more valuable than they are? And it was really early this morning. I read that verse hundreds of times, hundreds of times. But man, it was just like the Holy Spirit shot that off that page and said, Mark, you are valuable to God no matter how the sermon goes today. Before you do anything, Mark, you are valuable to God. See, I can't hear God say that if I'm always going, if I'm always in front of people, if I'm always performing. I can't, I can't do that. Or maybe pray, a prayer, we'll talk about that. Listening to worship music in the mornings, on your way to work, that sort of thing. Here's a question. What spiritual practices help you connect with God. On your sheet that we gave you, we talk about journaling, we talk about fasting, we talk about all kinds of different things. What spiritual practices help you connect with God? You need to know the answer for that. And then from our relationship with God, here comes the next thing. Here comes rest. Why rest? Because a lot of us want the next thing to be work. Don't we define ourselves by our work, don't we? First thing we ask somebody after we get their name is what? What do you do? What do you do for a living, right? We, we define ourselves by our jobs, our roles, our, 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 our IDs, or where we are on the org chart. But if I'm living from the love of God, you know what? I can live and work from a place of rest. So here's what this looks like. Sabbath. We talked about this in that series. What Sabbath? Sabbath is a 24-hour period once a week where I stop, and I still have things to do, but I'm stopping. I'm going to rest. I'm going to do some things that I think are fun, so delight, whatever is fun for you, fills your tank. And when I say fun, as long as it ain't sinful and illegal, hello, 1115, right? And then I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to try to take time to be with God. Now, here's the deal. If you, if you have never done Sabbath before, I can promise you it's weird the first couple times. Absolutely weird. Last night, and some of you can't do it right now. That's why you need to give yourself grace here. We're saved by Jesus, not the Sabbath. Amen. Say by Jesus, not obedience to Jesus, all right? Obedience flows out of a changed life, but Sabbath doesn't save me. Sabbath is a gift from Jesus, though. But what we need to do here, give yourself grace and consider the season of your life. Here's what I mean. Uh, last night at our, at our booth at the Black Gold, uh, we, we spray paint kids' hair. It's one of the things we do for free there. And, and this lady comes up to me. Some of you guys saw this last night. This lady comes up to me, and she hears me say, she's got her, she, I, I see she's got one really little girl with her. She said, did I hear you say that you paint kids' hair for free? And I said, yeah, we paint it for free. She said, well, I got six kids. Will you paint all of them? And, and so we, I did, and it took about 15, 20 minutes because they all wanted rainbows and all kinds of stuff. And can I tell you what is not in that woman's life? Six kids all under the age of five. There is no way she's getting a 24-hour Sabbath. Right? She, listen, she might get a two-minute Sabbath if she locks herself in the bathroom and pray they don't burn the house down. Right? She is not getting the Sabbath right now. All right? So give yourself grace and consider the season of your life. If you can't do 24 hours, maybe 20 minutes. Maybe an hour, maybe two hours. And, and build as the seasons change. Here's something a lot of people in the 930 were stunned that we could consider these things spiritual. Let's skip these. Exercise and sleep. Did you know those things are spiritual? Did you know that? Exercise and sleep. Say, Mark, I didn't know those things were spiritual. Listen, God made you. You, your body, your body. You were made 
by God, in the image of God. I love this quote. It's on your it's on your sheet there. It's not on the screen, but it's on the sheet that we gave you. I love this quote from Parker Palmer. He says this. He says, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I was put on earth to offer to others. So you got to take care of yourself. So what would exercise look like for you? All right. Start small. You're not doing the Ironman triathlon this week. All right. All right? Now, listen, I love to run. And listen, I can tell you, man, God speaks to me when I run. It's a huge stress reliever. You might hate running. From the sounds of people, from the things people yell at me in this town when I run, it sounds like most of the people in this town hate running. All right? Why are you running from? Right? Run, Forrest! Right? I need to get saved. Um, I think I'm joking. I ain't joking. Exercise and sleep are gifts from God. Sleep is a gift from God. Amen? Hey, for real, listen to this. If you don't sleep at night, listen, I got too much to do. I got too much to think about. Listen, only one person doesn't need to sleep. It's God. You're not him. Amen? I have people say to me sometimes, and sometimes preachers will say this to me. Well, there's just too much to do, and the devil never takes a break, so I won't either. And can I just say, listen, if you're looking for a role model for your life, can I suggest Satan is not a good one, right? Just trying to model my life after the Lord of darkness. No, don't do that. Don't do that, man, right? Sleep. Hey, you know why you can go to sleep tonight for eight hours? Because at the end of the day, God is on the throne and we're not. God is so in control of your life, Summit, you can sleep. That's what, listen, some of y'all, most spiritual thing you can do this afternoon, take a nap. I heard somebody say this this week. God would rather have confident sleep than fearful prayer. Did you hear that? Let's say it again. God would rather us have confident sleep than fearful prayer. Prayer that says, God, I don't even think you're listening. You're not even going to answer. But sleep that says, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. But you got it. Good night. Right? Here's one, giving. Why is giving in the rest category? Here's why giving is in the rest category. Because the world that we live in says go, 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 so you can get, get, get. But as people of faith, we can, we can say, you know what? I have Jesus, and Jesus is enough. Right? I may not have what the world says, but Jesus is enough. Do you remember that saying? I used to see it all the time on trucks. Uh, I used to see it all the time on uh, trucks that people would drive. He who has the most toys wins. You ever seen that? Actually, bro, it's not true. He who ha- I mean, no, he who has the most toys when he dies wins. That's what it is, right? And actually, it's just when you die, you die. Um, here's this one. Limit social media. Man, this is becoming bigger and bigger in our world, isn't it? It's hard to listen to God, guys, if you're listening to everybody else, right? And can I, listen, I'll just be honest with you. In the past month, I had to quit Facebook. My, my profile is still up, but I don't get on there and scroll around or like anything. I leave it up because most people in the church communicate with me through Facebook Messenger. But I had to walk away from Facebook because of how toxic it was for my soul. That might not be you. I'm not putting that on you. Don't receive that as me saying that's what our church needs to do. That's what I need to do. You understand that? That's a big deal. Big deal. Here's the next one. Next bucket is this one. Relationships. If, if, if my life is centered in the love of God, what would my relationships be? Okay, how would Jesus want me to invest in my marriage 
or key relationships with my marriage or if you're a parent, your kids or maybe your parents, your siblings, your grandparents. How can I invest in key relationships in my life? If Jesus is at the center and I'm trying to abide, if I'm slowing down to be with him, I think Jesus will help me to slow down to be present with people. Have you ever noticed a lot of times when we talk to people now, we don't even look at them. We're, we're talking to them, but we're looking at our phone. Have you noticed this? Like, I'm talking to you, but I'm scrolling on my phone. I think that if I were to abide in Jesus, I think he might have me look you in the eye and talk to you. Right? Connect with people at church. Learn some names. Meet some new people. Serving in church. Serving in church is a big deal because it builds a regular rhythm of putting other people before yourself. And here's one. Praying for those who are far from God or sharing Jesus with them. And then here's our another category, and we've changed this one. If, if the love of God for me is at the center... It changes work. It changes school. So now I'm going to include calling. I'm not just clocking in and clocking out. I'm not just trying to graduate. I have a calling from God on my life. So it changes the way I think about work and school. Now let's be honest. When it comes to people's jobs, you know what? Most people hate their jobs. Amen? Nobody wants to amen that because your boss might be here. That's exactly right, right. A lot of people hate their jobs. And maybe you hate your job because it's a negative environment or maybe uh, something's going on with some coworkers. It's just a, you don't feel appreciated. They don't, they don't appreciate what you do. A lot of us don't feel appreciated, and we have, a really, we have a hard time with our jobs. So maybe this is something for you. Cultivate gratitude and thankfulness by thanking God for my current season. You may hate your job and you might hate that school, but listen, you may not be there forever, but we need to learn how we can, what if we learned how to thank God for where we are regardless of the season? Here's another one. Seeing what I do as kingdom work. I'm creating things. I'm cultivating things. I'm caring for people. I'm serving people. And then this is a big one. Praying at key points of the day. When I, when I wake up, when I'm on my way into the office, when you're on your way into the office or school, you can pray right there. You don't need to hit your knees or light a candle or anything like that. As you're walking through the door, you can simply pray under your breath, Jesus, you are the vine and I am the branch. We're connected. You're going with me today. You're walking in to take that test. You're going in for that meeting. You're coming home from work and you've had a stressful day. Or maybe before you go to bed at night or praying with your kids, you can, you can begin to pray at key points of the day. But what would your life look like if it was centered around the love of God for you? Let me say two things. Two things to us. Two things, all right? Two things. Number one, number one, here's the first thing that I would want us to see, all right? This right here, this right here is brand new for most of us. So if you're a type A personality and you're thinking, man, I'm going to do all of this this week. I'm going to begin 30 minutes of silence, a 24-hour Sabbath, and I'm going to lead my pagan co-workers to Jesus. Right? No, you're not. You're not going to do that. So here's what you do. Start small. Start small. What is one or two things on that screen, or maybe on the sheet that we gave you, that, the, that as you read it, the Holy Spirit is just saying to you, that one, that one right there. Maybe it's investing in a key in your marriage or a key relationship in your life. Hey, you're kind of letting that coast. You need to invest in that relationship. Or if you don't have any spiritual practices at all, maybe God wants you to pick up the habit of Scripture and downloading the Summit app and in the devotion section for about two or three minutes, you can read. We put a new one in there every day at 6 a.m. and just reading that, and you're building a rhythm 
in your life. And as God leads, you can add some things to it, but don't start out trying to do it all. Start small. Give yourself grace. Here's another thing that, God, that I think that we need to see from this. This is not another thing for us to do. This is not another thing for us to do. This is taking things that we're already doing and just becoming more intentional with them. I'll give you an example. Joe Brooks, who comes usually to the second service, preached here a couple weeks ago, did an amazing job. A lot, of, a lot of you guys know Joe. One day during this series, after church, he came up to me, and he was talking about how long it takes him to drive to work every single day. And he said, Mark, every day on my way to work, I listen to ESPN radio. But Mark, I'm going to begin to turn the radio off for 10 minutes of that drive so that I can pray and be still and listen to God. You're already going to work. You're already going to eat a meal at that time. You're already going to do this. But what happens is we're taking our lives and we're becoming a little bit more intentional. You're already going to go to school. You're, you're already going to talk to those people. But what if we tried to begin to live our lives with the love of God for us at the center of our lives? This is not another thing for us to do. What it is, it's just basically a U-turn in practices we already have. Guys, if this feels like a burden, we're doing it wrong. If this feels like a burden, we're doing it wrong. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me give us one verse and then we're done. One more verse and then we're done. Trying to put a bow on this and the whole series. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The way that Christians normally use that verse is, with, is, is uh, in evangelism. The way we normally use that verse is with lost people, people who don't know Jesus. We use it to try to help them start a relationship with God. And listen, this verse is absolutely true for that. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, and he wants in. He wants a relationship with you. But John the Apostle is not talking to non-Christians or lost people there. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to a church. He's talking to Christians who at some point shut the doors of certain areas of their life and they said, Jesus, we don't want you in here anymore. And John says, listen, guys, Summit, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today. And if you would open up all of the doors of your life, if you would open up that door, just swing that door wide open and let Jesus in, what would happen? What would happen if you, if you lived your life with the love of God for you at the center of it? If you just opened up your marriage, opened up the door of your marriage for Jesus to come in, what would it do? If you opened up the door of your singleness for Jesus to come in, what would it do? If you opened up the door of your finances for Jesus to come in, what would it do? If you opened up the door of your goals and dreams and ambitions or your friends or the kind of people that you date or the way that you think about and use money, if you opened up every single door of your life and said, Jesus, come in, do you know what he will do? He will come in and he will sit down at your table. And he will be your friend. And John 15, 11 says that when we are that connected to him, our joy becomes full, Summit. Our joy becomes full. As we abide in, we stay connected to, we remain in Jesus. Would you pray with me?
God, I just thank you that this is what you want. God, you, you have not said that you saved us for an hour on Sunday and then we wait to go to heaven and until then we just go to church and be good. That's not it. That's not it. Jesus, you invite us to abide. You invite us to stay connected. You're, you're calling us to open up every door so that you can come in and be our friend. And we can talk to you and you can talk to us. You invite us to not live out of the center of maybe our popularity or finances or what other people think about us. Or are we, are we climbing the corporate ladder and all of these things? And God, there is nothing wrong with any of those things. There is nothing wrong with, with popularity. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to provide for our families. There's nothing at all wrong with wanting to climb the corporate ladder. There's, there's nothing at all wrong with those things but God we we are wrong when we put those things at the center of our lives only one thing is to be at the center only one thing should be the thing that our lives revolve around and Jesus it's you and so Jesus if there is a door that needs to be opened in any area of our lives show us Jesus what would our lives look like if your love for us was at the center. Church, take just a second and, and think about that question. What would your life look like if the love of God for you was at the center? What would it do for your marriage? What would it do the way you treat your kids? What would it do the way to the way you treat your parents? What would it do to the way that you think about your future? What would it do to your life if the love of God for you was at the center? Jesus, whatever that looks like, we want to open up every single door to you. We want to open up every single door in our lives and say, Jesus, come in. Come in. God, we need you. We want you. We want you to come in today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, you might be here today and you, and you, you are a follower of Jesus, but you'd say, Mark, there, there's a door in my life or there are several doors in my life that I need to open and let Jesus in. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand right now to say, there are door, I need to open up doors in my life and let him in. All over this room, hands are going up. All over this room. Now I'm just going to open up doors. Just raise your hand up real high today. Let me see it. Let me see it. God, I just thank you that you see all of these hands that are going up. And Jesus, whatever those doors are, we don't, we don't barely open them. Jesus, we don't want to just kind of give a little crack on that door that doesn't let anything in or out. Jesus, we just sling that door wide open and say, Jesus, come in. Come in and sit at my table. Come in and have your way, Jesus. I want, I want you to be at the center of my life. Because that's where joy is. Now listen, you might be here today, and you have never opened your heart so that Jesus Christ can come in and be your Lord and Savior. Did you know that Jesus wants a relationship with you? I don't know what you've heard or where you've been, but it's not, 
It's not simply about praying a prayer so that you die and then go to heaven. It's about having a relationship with Jesus right now. It's about living for Him right now in this life, knowing Him now, and then living with Him forever. Do you know Jesus today? I'm not asking you, do you believe that He's real? Do you know Him? I'm not asking you, are you a good person? Do you know Him? If you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you today that you can come to Him today just as you are. But you need to come to Him. He's done everything to make salvation, forgiveness, and second chance available for you. You need to receive what He's done. Say, Mark, how do I receive it? The way you receive it is confess with our mouth. Pray. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Put your faith in Jesus that He rose from the dead for you. Today, if you want to give your heart to Jesus for the very first time, I want to pray a prayer. And I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. And these are not magic words, guys. These are not words of you, hey, I want to pray this prayer so that I can go to heaven after I die and live however I want until then. No, 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 no. This is a prayer that says, Jesus, I want you at the center starting right now. I want to